0: Well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad that you've joined me on the program today. We are going to be taking a look at. Uh, well, we got a couple of things actually to talk about. Uh, we'll let you know uh, first of all that the uh, Supreme Court passing by another uh, Second Amendment challenge. This one, uh, Maryland Shall Issue versus Hogan. Uh, dealing with the state of Maryland's ban on bump stocks and uh, other, uh, quote, rapid-fire trigger items. Now, there is another case that um, could be coming up before the Supreme Court. uh, But, uh, again, for those who are thinking uh, the court's not going as hard on uh, gun control advocates as we would like them to see, this is perhaps another indication. Uh, of that uh, coming from the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. I uh, also do want to let you know, though, that the uh, Second Amendment Foundation has a proven track record of winning court cases that protect the Second Amendment and secure your freedom. We can count on them to defend our guns from the radical left's uh, overreach. And Time's running out, though. We know the Democrats are coming for our guns, but the Second Amendment Foundation will not play defense. They are proactive in the fight to stop the gun grabbers. And I know that they will not let us down. To join the fight, you can text JOIN SAF. J O I N S A F to 474747. Again, that's join S A F to 474747 to show your support for the Second Amendment Foundation's hard work to defend your right to keep and bear arms. And, you know, let's talk about that fight because we are seeing, I think, uh, two uh, very diverging points of view when it comes to our right to keep and bear arms at the state level. And I think that uh, while we've got those legal challenges ahead of us and gun control advocates certainly have not given up, even in red states, there are a number of victories that we can point to. And I think the right to carry is actually one of those those, those areas where gun owners are seeing a great deal of success and gun control groups, now they're the ones who are having to rely on the courts to hopefully, in their case, uphold these laws that bar the average citizen from carrying a firearm for self-defense outside of the home. Take a look at this headline out of Texas. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, quote, optimistic uh, about allowing the permitless carry of handguns. Now, this is something, honestly, that was not on the radar of a lot of folks, even in Texas at the start of the legislative session. Texas Governor Greg Abbott had declared before the session began that he wanted to see a Second Amendment sanctuary bill pass out of the legislature, get to his desk, and he would sign it. But he didn't mention constitutional carry. And as a matter of fact, I mean, most of the leadership uh, in the Texas legislature at the beginning of the session weren't real optimistic about uh, constitutional carry either. Similar bill had been introduced last session uh, the now former House Speaker uh, poo-pooed the idea, and it didn't even get a vote in the House. Well, a lot has changed over the past couple of years. Not only did the House leadership get behind constitutional carry, they, they did allow this bill to be heard in committee. They didn't send it off to a committee to get killed, passed out of committee, got to the floor of the House. They didn't try to pull any sort of legislative games to keep that bill from coming up for a vote. And the legislation passed out of the full House of Representatives in the state of Texas. Then it went over to the Senate side where Senate leadership is like, "Eh, not real sure about this. We we might need to study this issue for a couple more sessions. And Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said, well, let's let's see what we can do here. And so he actually created a special committee to take a look at this issue. They, They did, and they passed out of that special committee, a permitless carry bill. And so now with a uh, little bit less than a month remaining in the legislative session, constitutional carry is headed to the Senate floor. Whether or not it gets a vote this week, still kind of up in the air. Whether or not there are the votes in the Senate to pass this bill, still kind of up in the air, according to the lieutenant governor. But we're making incredible progress. I mean, if if Texas, if if gun owners contact their state senators, including Senate leadership, and be polite, be civil, but be firm, you want to see this bill come up for a vote. If Texas were to approve permitless carry, they would become the fifth state this year to adopt constitutional carry language, and the 21st state overall. Since January, we have seen permitless carry signed into law in Utah, Montana, which was already permitless carry basically outside of, of, of uh, uh, incorporated city limits uh, across the state of Montana. Now it's just flat permitless carry. Utah, Montana, then Tennessee, Iowa. You had a uh, permitless carry bill that I, I, I thought was making good progress in Indiana, but it got stalled out in the uh, Indiana State Senate. But again, four states just since January, possibility of a fifth in the state of Texas, 20 states across the nation, again, possibly of 21, where if you are a legal gun owner, you can legally carry that firearm. No license is required, no permit is necessary. Your right to keep and your right to bear are explicitly recognized. We're not seeing anything like that on the gun control side of the equation. There are eight states left in the United States, that are still May issue, New York State being one of them, uh, California, Massachusetts, New Jersey, a handful of others, Hawaii. In those eight states, you can go through all the training, you can pass a background check, and the state can still say, nah, we don't think you're special enough to carry a gun. Because your right of self-defense isn't seen as a valid reason. It's not good cause for you to carry. Now, these eight states, those numbers haven't grown in recent years. While we have seen four states since January adopt permaless carry, zero states in the United States have actually moved from a shall issue or a constitutional carry status to may issue. The right to carry revolution is moving in one direction, and one direction only. And that is towards the full recognition of our right to keep and bear arms. Think about that. Even in states like Colorado, for example, which have been trending blue, I think it's fair to say, uh, my apologies to the uh, gun owners and Second Amendment supporters in Colorado, but I think it's fair to say that uh, Colorado is a, a solidly blue state these days. But even in the solidly blue state of Colorado, the gun control measures that they are pushing at the state level are what I would consider to be smaller bites out of our right to keep and bear arms than what gun control advocates really, really want in both their head and their heart. Take a look at this headline. Governor Polis signs gun storage reporting requirements into law. Effective July the 1st, Colorado gun owners will be required to store weapons in a gun safe or with a uh, trigger or cable lock in households where the gun owner knows that a minor or a resident who is ineligible to possess a firearm can gain access. Mm -hmm. These requirements only apply if the weapon is being stored, not if the owner is carrying the weapon. And then, of course, there's a lost or stolen reporting requirement turning you into a criminal if you fail to report your firearm lost or stolen within five days of you discovering that your gun has gone Lost or stolen. Now, look, these aren't good bills. I think these are bad bills. Uh, and yes, that includes the storage mandates, which are going to prevent some people from being able to access a firearm for self defense in their home. Uh, it's kind of, uh, I, I, I think there are real problems with this bill. I mean, not to get too sidetracked here, but uh, these aren't good bills by any stretch of the imagination. But they're also not a gun ban. They're not moving from Colorado's shall issue to a may-issue system. In fact, even when Democrats in Colorado unveiled their package of three more gun control measures in the wake of the uh, King Super grocery store shooting in Boulder, Colorado, they did not include a ban on so-called assault weapons. They did not try to uh, move the state from a shall-issue to a may-issue system. Again, none of what they proposed is good, uh, including the gutting of the state's firearm preemption laws, but they didn't feel bold enough to come right out and say, hey, uh, one way to address this this violent crime is to prevent people from lawfully carrying a firearm in self-defense. We've gone too far in Colorado with this right to carry stuff. And we're going to impose some reasonable restrictions on who can carry a farm for self-defense. They didn't say that. They didn't do that. And I think that that is telling. Because I know that they would love to actually put those restrictions in place. I don't think that their ideology has changed. I don't think that their philosophy has changed. But I think is now a matter of what is politically feasible. And even in blue states like Colorado right now, I think there is a reluctance on the part of Democrats to fully lean in to their anti-gun agenda. Oh, sure, look, if, if Biden starts talking about a gun ban, they're, they're going to be in favor of it. Yeah, yeah, we should definitely do that. But they're not going to propose it themselves. They're not going to take the hit, electorally speaking, themselves. So back the idea of a federal ban. Yeah, all, all in favor of that. That's what we really need. We need a federal ban. they state-level bans. You're just ineffective. I mean, they've even got their building excuses as to why they're not promoting this stuff at the state level. But the real excuse is because their ideas are becoming less popular with the American people. Talked about this on last week's program. You've got multiple polls showing declining support for gun control. We saw record high gun sales last year. National Shooting Sports Foundation estimates eight and a half million new gun owners. Not all of them are Republicans. Not all of them were conservatives. If you believe the uh, ABC Washington Post poll, uh, not only has opposition to more gun control climbed by almost 20 points among Republicans and independents, uh, but even younger Americans, those 18 to 29-year-olds. No longer do a majority of them support more gun control laws over protecting the right to keep and bear arms. And that's amazing when you consider the youth outreach that the gun control movement has done since 2018, since the shootings at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, the foundation of March for Our Lives, the, uh, the turning of uh, individuals like David Hogg and Emma Gonzalez into outright celebrities because of their gun control positions. According to the Washington Post and ABC News, while the media and while gun control advocates have been doing that, support among younger Americans for more gun control laws has been steadily declining. This is a very good thing. Now, again, our fights aren't over. In fact, even if Texas adopts constitutional carry, Moms Demand Action is not going to go away in the Lone Star State. We know, again, that there are huge court battles ahead of us, not only dealing with our right to carry, we're going to be talking more about that, by the way, in a uh, couple of minutes, but also in terms of whether or not governments can ban commonly owned magazines or commonly owned firearms without violating our right to keep and bear arms. There are a lot of issues that have yet to be addressed by the courts. There are a lot of issues where, uh, you know, anti-gun Democrats, and it's mostly Democrats, unfortunately, but where anti-gun Democrats are still mucking about with our right to keep and bear arms. But it is worth noting the progress that we have made and what gun control advocates are not talking about. As we're talking about expanding the right to carry to ensure that every legal gun owner who wants to lawfully carry a firearm for self-defense can do so without the state saying, I don't think you're special enough. Gun control advocates, I mean, they're doing their best to try to maintain these may-issue laws. But their best isn't really good enough because the number of may-issue states, down to a handful, the vast majority of states across this country recognize our right to carry either through shall-issue licensing, or even better, through a constitutional carry. Our, our, Our fights aren't over, but I do think it is important every now and then to sit back and acknowledge, okay, you know what? We're gaining ground here, and they're losing ground, which I do believe makes them a little desperate. I think that's why we're hearing talk about packing the court. I think it's why, as we get closer to the midterm elections and Biden's gun ban bill hasn't really moved through Congress, you're going to hear some anti-gun hysterics. Uh, I'm not trying to downplay the threat to our right to keep and bear arms, but I am trying to acknowledge the growing support that is out there among the American people for protecting that right. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report as well. This story, I got to tell you, this one bugs me. Two people in custody in connection with a Sioux City homicide. Turns out both of these individuals who are in custody, known to police, and the victim here was just trying to get home. This happened early Saturday morning uh, outside of a bar, Uncle Dave's Bar in Sioux City, Iowa. There was a uh, gentleman, Martez Harrison, who was at the bar. There were a couple of guys who tried to get in but were denied because they were underage. One of them was uh, 17-year-old Dwight Evans, the other 20-year-old Lawrence Kennedy. And they started jawing with this guy, Montez Harrison. And uh, Montez Harrison ended up calling his girlfriend. And said, hey, can you come pick me up? I want to just get out of here. These jackasses are not leaving me alone. So his girlfriend arrives to pick him up. They're getting ready to drive away. When Kennedy allegedly assaults her, beats her so bad that she requires medical attention. Now, at that point, Martez Harrison, who has, again, been trying to remove himself from the situation with these two aggressive individuals, moves in to defend his girlfriend. And Kennedy starts beating him, punching him. Eventually, Harrison falls to the ground. Kennedy continues to beat him. Then Dwight Evans, 17 years of age, allegedly runs across the street with a revolver with an obliterated serial number, fires a shot. Kennedy climbs off of Harrison. Dwight Evans gets closer and shoots Harrison basically point-blank range in the chest. And then, after Montez Harrison was shot, Lawrence Kennedy allegedly gets back on top of him and starts kicking him and punching him in the head. The pair were uh, taken into custody not long afterwards. The Sioux City Journal reports a search of court records shows that Evans was charged at age 14 in juvenile court. He's 17 years old now. He was charged three years ago when he was 14 in juvenile court with robbery and theft. He was only adjudicated on the theft charge, and he's already completed his probationary term. So as far as the system is concerned, at least until Dwight Evans was arrested for murder, Dwight Evans was a success story. Lawrence Kennedy, meanwhile, age 20, is currently on probation from a shooting less than two years ago, in September of 2019 at a Sioux City apartment complex. He pleaded guilty two months ago in March of this year to one count of being a felon in possession of a firearm. All of the violent criminal charges were dropped. In exchange for that guilty plea to being a felon in possession of a firearm, Kennedy was given a five-year suspended prison sentence as well as three years probation. So you got a 20-year-old involved in a shooting who admits to being a convicted felon who's not legally allowed to possess a firearm. He's eligible for up to a five-year prison sentence for this crime. And instead, the criminal justice system in Iowa says, bad, 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 bad. Don't do that again. If you do that again, then maybe we'll put you back in prison. Maybe you'll have to finish off the rest of your five-year term. Well, how'd that work out? Because now Lawrence Kennedy's facing charges that could put him away for far more than five years. And it sounds like the slap on the wrist that he got just two months ago didn't make a damn bit of difference to him when it came to uh, staying on the straight and narrow. Montez Harrison should be alive today and arguably would be alive today if the criminal justice system in Iowa had taken these criminals seriously. All right, on to uh, today's armed citizen story, Colorado Springs, Colorado, where a uh, Colorado Springs woman Ended up shooting a man in the head to defend herself, according to police. This happened early Friday morning, about 2 a.m. Police got a call from a uh, guy who said, "I I've just been shot in the head." Well, police went out to investigate. During the investigation, they learned that the man who had been shot in the head had apparently been trying to strangle a woman and threatened to kill her. The woman was able to get a hold of a gun, fired that shot, non fatal injury. Looks like the guy's actually going to uh, recover. Morgan Chess is the suspect's name. He was taken into custody. Woman spoke with detectives. She was questioned, but uh, is not facing charges. Again, police believe that at this point, uh, she was acting in defense of her life. We'll try to bring you more information as it becomes available, but very uh, glad that she had a gun and she was able to use it, because Lord knows how else that story might have turned out. Finally today, our good deed of the day from um, not too far up the road from where I am and. In- Farmville, Virginia, Culpeper, Virginia, where uh, police officers in the right place at the right time willing able to do the right thing to save the life of a suicidal man on Sunday afternoon who had climbed to the top of a cell phone tower in downtown Culpeper. The uh, phone calls started coming in around 2.15 uh, to 9 one saying, hey, look, this guy is climbing up the cell tower. So Culpeper PD responded along with uh, a couple of other agencies. Lieutenant uh, Brittany Jenkins and Officer Al Cooper ended up climbing up that tower without a... They had safety harnesses on, but they had nothing to attach them to. Uh, As the culpable police chief noted, they were basically 250 feet up in the air without a safety net, responding to this individual in crisis. And the good news is they were able to talk to him. They were able to get him down uh, to a second level of that cell tower. They were able to take him into custody. Uh, He was taken for a mental health evaluation. I hope that he gets the help that he needs. But again, in the right place, at the right time, we'll be able to do the right thing. A very scary situation for these two officers. But Officer uh, Al Cooper and Lieutenant Brittany Jenkins with the Culpeper Virginia PD, we thank you very much for your very good deed. And that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you, by the way, for uh, not only taking part in the program today, but also for reading bearingarms.com. Uh, I would also like to encourage you to become a VIP member of BearingArms.com. You can do so by going to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. And if you use the promo code GUNS, G-U-N-S, you can get 25% off of your VIP membership. That'll give you access to exclusive commentary, analysis, and more. Uh, And it also helps us continue to do the job that we do each and every day, bringing you the latest Second Amendment news and information. If you want to go one step further, you can become a VIP Gold member, and that way you'll get access to all kinds of exclusive content, not only at Bearing Arms, but throughout the town hall media uh, constellation of websites, including RedState, townhall.com, obviously, Twitchy, hotair.com. Our VIP Gold members get to take part in our weekly live chats with the hot airs, Ed Morrissey and myself. And again, a great way to support these websites, including uh, bearingarms.com. And we really, really do. Thank you for your support. You can also subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss one of these programs. Or if you prefer, rumble.com. Just look for Bearing Arms Cam and Company. You can find us as well. Just look for Cam and Company on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and of course the uh, townhall.com podcast page. When we come back tomorrow, we're going to be joined by uh, Second Amendment attorneys Chuck Michelle and Stephen Halbrook. Taking a closer look at that Supreme Court case dealing with the right to carry in the state of New York and what this case might mean for our right to carry nationwide. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.